Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel. Happy and blessed Saturday, and welcome to episode 456 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to do be little tripping over myself already. We're going to be doing a box office uh, breakdown coverage of this weekend as Barbenheimer is once again on top as the new release, The Last Voyage of the Demeter from Universal, is not doing well at all. In fact, as of the past day, I think this is of the Friday numbers, we are actually looking at it only getting around $965 per screen, and it is only out in 2,700 screens. So definitely... Not in a good position at all for the Last Voyage of the Demeter. I've heard some mixed things about it. There are some who have said it is just awful because it takes the source material and just like typical Hollywood, decides to add in their own nonsense, which delves into potentially woke identity politics stuff, like adding in certain characters that make no sense for that time period, and again, characters that didn't, don't even exist within the story. And then I've heard others like Jeremy John say that, you know what, it's a fine, fine movie. It's not amazing, it's not groundbreaking, but it's fun. So take that for what you will. But what we can all agree with is that the box office numbers really are not showing up for the movie. As, as of the recording of this stream, it has only made $2.6 million at the domestic box office. So definitely not a strong number there. All the while, you have films like Barbie and Oppenheimer. The Barbenheimer effect continuing as TMNT... Mutant Mayhem is looking to have a decent-sized drop, but still pretty sizable as well for what it was making, whereas the Meg 2, domestically especially, is set to have a pretty massive uh, pretty massive uh, drop there. And it's going to be most interesting to see whether the Meg 2 is going to be able to make any money whatsoever because of the fact that the vast majority of the f film's money is still coming from China and not from the domestic or even many other European uh, non-Western audiences. So let's just say it's got a bit of a ways to go if it has any hopes of making its money back. But smash that like button, that the fire button, Aussie, and smash the rumble button as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat. And we'll have our typical box office discussion as well for any other films that you want me to talk about or any other films that you want me to take a look at. First off, we got Orange Eye Reviews, who is here early. Thank you very much. He is he is the king mod here over on OMB Reviews. And he always lays down the law, so please do be sure to treat the chat the, tra the, the chat respectfully. All right, let me go ahead and just start off with saying my brain is not going to be working fully tonight. Not that it's working most of the time, but especially tonight, uh, we had our first week back at school. We did not have a full week back, but we had at least a few days. And so my brain is still a bit fried, happy to still have a voice, as my voice tends to get a lot more tired when I get into lecture mode, the first couple of days of classes for me, at the very least, though, are going through the syllabus and then getting everyone set up with all of the online tools that I use throughout the year because I like to get that stuff out of the way early before diving into the actual material, starting intro to philosophy this week. Always, always a very fun time. If you've not ever looked up some of the ancient Greek philosophers, people like Thales, credited as the first philosopher, Heraclitus and others, oh boy. They have some very interesting ideas of how the world works. The best thing about Thales, though, and I believe it was my students last year who figured this out. I forget whether I came up with this as a tool to remember the fact about him or if they had. Either way, it became very popular with them. And that is that Thales believed that everything in existence as its source has water. 
So water is the source of all things, according to Thales. And so how to remember that? Thales whales. Thales whales. And you know what? Say what you will about it being silly. It works. But if my brain is jumping all over the place more than it typically is, I guarantee you that is probably the reason why. We got Master of Gaming in the chat. What is going on, Master of Gaming? Thank you for being here. We got King Kane Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble, always down holding down the fort over there, saying, any troublemakers in your classes yet? Um, not yet. Not yet. Not No individual students have stood out at this point. There's a couple of groups and a couple of classes that I think could be rambunctious, but I think that anyone who has ever been a teacher will tell you that having rambunctious, energetic kids is one thing. Having kids that will go out of their way to try to cause trouble is an entirely different matter, right? The rambunctious kids, some teachers have have a lot of fun with that, right? When there's the kids with a lot of energy. Personally, it's not really my <laughs> it's not really my favorite thing. I, I definitely prefer people who, again, could be energetic, but also could be a little bit more, you know, laid back, things like that. Um, but uh, so far, so good, I will say, in my classes. But we also haven't really had a whole lot. Um, we've only had really a couple of days of full-length classes, so... Things always change as as people get more comfortable in the classroom, more comfortable with the teacher. Because, again, I only teach the juniors, and so I don't really know any of them from, from the previous years. And so because they are just starting to get to know me, I'm starting to get to know them. Usually that creates a little bit of a bubble to kind of be able to lay down the law a little bit, make sure that everyone knows, hey, I will write you up if you decide to be, uh, to buy, to, you know, decide to be a doofus on any given day. And so hopefully things are going are going well. But yeah, KK and Rumsky, thanks for thanks for checking in, man. Uh, let's see, Gmonkey76, what is going on? Welcome back, Miss Minnesota Hockey fan. How about a hockey player? What's going on? We got Laura, the modern major general story. Shorty short. How is it going? Welcome back. Rob D hanging out in the chat as well. Laura then tagged to say, anybody else ready for fall weather? Yes. A thousand times, yes. It's not as hot here in Tennessee as it is in other parts of the country, but it's still a lot hotter than I would ever want it to be. Uh, we're supposed to get temperatures this week up around 96, 97, I think. But there's also a couple of days where it's a, like a low of 65, high in the, the upper 80s, which, again, for me is still too hot, but is nothing compared to what anyone in Texas, anyone in Arizona, or any of those you know areas in general are, are dealing with. I think California, probably parts of California too. Um, yeah, it's not fun. It is not fun. I I am a person that I, I do not like uh, summer weather. I very much love winter weather. Fall is nice. I understand the changing of the leaves and the seasons and everything. I get that. But for me, I love winter. I love when everything around me, and this sounds very morbid, but it's true. I like when everything around me is dead, when there's no leaves on the trees, and when it's nice and, and cool outside, when I can see my breath. I love that. I love that weather. And it all comes down to the fact that when it's really, really hot, you can only take off so many layers to cool off. There comes a point where all of the layers have been expensed, and you are just still going to be hot. Whereas when it's cold, you can put on a fair amount of layers and end up feeling pretty warm. And that sensation of warmth, to me, is just unbeatable as far as weather is concerned. So, yes, I am ready for fall, but I'm actually, to be honest, ready for winter more so than anything else. Jenna Wingster says, I got my pizza. I am content tonight. Hey, yeah, we actually, tonight, we had some pepperoni pizza. We had some DiGiorno's, the croissant crust, a little bit of the croissant crust from DiGiorno's. Very, very delicious. 
Someone was asking me, uh, Keely, I don't know if you're in the chat. Yeah, you are. There you are, Keely. Sorry, I was not able to answer. I know you asked this on two different chat occasions. I don't, I don't think I was able to directly answer it because there was too much going on. But for last night's dinner, I only ended up having some... Actually, I didn't eat anything before the stream. I had like a little bit of a snack before the stream. And then after the stream, I had a peanut butter sandwich. Um, because I am meatless on Fridays and sometimes it's difficult to find meatless meals, especially if it's not like cheese pizza. And because my wife is, you know, is pregnant and we're getting to the point where we're about a little over a month away from, from baby girl getting here at this point, uh, that obviously, you know, makes deciding on meals and deciding on, you know, what is it that we're going to, are we going to, you know, am I going to cook something tonight? Am I not going to cook something tonight? Obviously she is not following the the meatless thing like I am and uh, she definitely shouldn't be because she needs as many nutrients as she can get um, but but yeah hopefully that answers that question uh, there is Keely what's going on brother we got JS Pena in the chat ahoy oh, what's going on JS Pena welcome back always glad to have you here let's see orange chat says I heard good things about the last voyage of the Demeter as well as some odd things I'll have to watch it somehow to see if the anti-catholic claims are merited yeah I was on a stream this morning Shout out to my uh, one of my other channels that I do with uh, a couple of really awesome Catholics. We are the Rigid Catholic Nerds. You can find the channel Rigid Catholic Nerds. Um, Dr. Anthony Stein from Return to Tradition. Uh, we we are just uh, you know, and Ryan Grant as well, who is a part of the Rundown. I think that the Rundown actually is live right now. Uh, both really great, solid traditional Catholics. Um, and just really awesome to talk with. And they also are nerds. They also love, for both of them, I know that they are very much drawn to Star Trek um, as like some like some of the biggest franchises that they, they are fond of. But they're also fond of you know movies and talk about films. So we were on a stream earlier. They were both able to see the, uh, the, vo- the last voyage of the Demeter. I was not able to. Just the timing just did not work out with any of the showtimes that were available. And so I know that for, for Anthony Stein, for Dr. Stein, I know that he noticed in the film that there were some elements that seemed to be anti-Catholic. You know, for instance, there's one character in the movie, this is not really a spoiler, but there's one character in the movie who makes several comments showing clearly that he is a Catholic, just mentioning saints, things like that. But then apparently he also shows cowardice in the face of danger too. And so because of the way it's presented, he at first is presented as a very like hardcore faithful individual and then later on is not presented as being as firm and as confident. And so that to me definitely comes across in, in that same light, in that same, in that same matter. But I also have not seen it. Um, I know that one of them also mentioned because they'd read the original book, they had read the original source material. And I believe that in that part where they have the logs, of course, of the Demeter in the book, I've actually never read. Yeah, go ahead and, and you know, shoot me now. <laughs> I have never read uh, Bram Stoker's uh, uh, Dracula before. Um, I know that I've, I've, I need to at some point in my life, but it's just I've, I've never been as drawn to those older stories in general. You know, reading is always difficult for me in general, and so I typically do audiobooks, and so I'm much more drawn to, uh, you know, I guess less formal ways of writing, I guess you could say. But I know that one of them had mentioned that apparently, and I, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I thought that this is what I had heard one of them say, that in the book it's represented that the the captain of the ship is also clearly a devout Catholic because at one point he is praying the rosary, right? He's holding on to his rosary beads. And so the fact that apparently that's not in the movie, that they don't have that aspect of his character being presented, 
also comes comes across in that in that same way. And so I, it would not surprise me. I, I it didn't seem based on what I was hearing that it's like a clear like you know anti-Catholic like as far as like gung ho, but there's there's certain elements that are undermining at the very least uh, certain elements of, of of Christianity and certain elements of the faith. So. Yeah, definitely let me know, though, if, if you do end up going to see it, uh, what your overall thoughts are about it. Ambrose Chamberpot, what's going on? Welcome back into the chat. We got Just Another Red Shirt, who's a member on the channel. What's going on, Just Another Red Shirt? Thanks for being here. We got Keely Chow. What's going on, dude? He says, how are you? Uh, Baby Thor, Lady Frey doing? Baby Thor, he had his first nap in the big boy room. I think I've mentioned this previously as we are preparing for baby girl to get here. Baby girl is going to take over the nursery. It just makes the most sense as far as where we are and where the nursery is and all that stuff. And it was, it was created. The nursery was created not as, as baby Thor's room, but as just a nursery. And so his, his new room, his big boy room was made more so for him because now we actually know his personality for a toddler, for rather, sorry, for, for a newborn, you don't know anything about them until they're here. So uh, we were able to make his, his big boy room uh, much more uh, akin to his character, to his personality type. And we didn't know how it was going to go because it, we don't have the bed frame yet, um, but we know he was very excited for it. So we said, hey, do you want to try napping? He was like, yeah. And... Uh, so it's just like the mattress with the covers on it, on, on the ground, um, and all the other stuff is in there. We're just waiting on the frame to get in, just taking forever to ship. And sure enough, you know, he he took a little while to fall asleep. It was funny because we have our, of course, our our baby cam set up. And so he was um, literally not getting out of bed, but was crawling across his bed because he has these stuffed sharks that were also on the ground. And so he, he made it a point to grab each of these, <laughs> a couple of them are giant sharks, giant stuffed sharks to bring into his bed, but it was so funny watching him try to stay inside his bed, but then also get the sharks <laughs> into the bed. At one point, he falls out and doesn't know what to do. And then after that, he, he got back in and he fell asleep and was was asleep for pretty... Again, we were very proud of him. We did not think that it was going to happen uh, that quickly, that he was going to get used to it. So uh, we're probably going to try to see if he can do what we call the big sleep um, at night, probably in the next in the next week or so. So that way, we can start getting him him used to that. But... Yeah, huge steps. It's crazy how how quickly he's growing up. You know, I, I was mentioning this in my classes because I oftentimes use either, you know, pictures or videos of of either the Hounds of Asgard, you know, Willow and River, or of, of baby Thor as like a mental break, as a, oh, this is cute, or oh, this is funny. And, you know, this week especially, I was being reminded like, oh my goodness, I can't believe one that I've been teaching this long, I've been teaching here this long, and then also that he's almost three years old. It's just, it is honestly just insane of a concept for me yes indeed laura uh, i am still rocking the fragile it must be italian sign because we all know hollywood it's still on strike there is no guarantees that this is going to stand all right e even though i have more confidence in the <laughs> craftsmanship the questionable craft craftsmanship of this specific particular shelf for hollywood not so much not nearly as much confidence so for all we know it could it could be struck down again. <laughs> I sure hope not because I still haven't put them back in order and I'm still putting that off, but we'll have to wait and see. JS Benya, did I say, saw the Meg 2, it was dumb, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people too. Uh, some saying it was it was just more dumb than fun. And I think the, the best example that I probably will feel if I ever end up going to see the Meg 2 will be the Meg 1 was so dumb, it was fun. This one is just dumb. And that, that's, again, that's the most common thing I've been hearing. But I've also been hearing others come, come away from the movie saying 
that they had a good time with it. And I understand that the spoilers that I've heard about it, not that they're really spoilers per se, have all pretty much made sense to me uh, as things that a lot of people would just enjoy seeing on the big screen. You know, not that it was it's it's good in an objective sense, but good in a way that they're still able to have a lot of fun and be entertained by it. Uh, let's see. J-Roar, what is going on? Welcome. Great Wuda hanging out in the chat. Kicking Rumsky over on Rumble. Tag to say, I find Hollywood usually tries to make Catholicism Christianity look like a cult that fools people into joining. Yeah, and if it's not that, they at the very least make it look like it's not serious. Like, essentially, what, what I gather... And again, for the record, I have not seen The Last Voyage of the Demeter, but based on how it was described to me, it comes across to me as more of a movie that tries to undermine. So you have one of the characters that shows himself to be a very uh, passionate person, a serious person of faith, but then as soon as he's put to the test, what happens? His faith goes away. And that's something that I think is just a very tired, whether you would say trope or uh, a tired, you know, Thing that's been going on now it seems for for a lot of for a long time in different movies that they, they present people of faith you know either in a negative way by having them be too serious by by being someone that you typically would maybe hate almost like a villain or as someone who is not really that serious right that they try to create this facade and i just think that it's so disingenuous to the vast majority of of people who are, again, those people obviously exist. There's no doubt about that. So it's not that it's not accurate because those people do exist who put on a face and then when they're actually put to the test, they don't really have that that faith. They don't really have that trust, that hope in God. But at the same time, when Hollywood is in a trend of doing the same thing over and over again and not presenting the myriad, uh, the you know, the vast variety of people of faith that there are, it starts to say, okay, n- now it seems like it's more on you than it is anything else, Hollywood. Uh, Abomination, rocking that fire button over on Odyssey. Abomination, thanks for always holding down the fort over there. Jenna Wingster, who's a member, says, but is it better or worse than Mission Impossible 2? That's the real question. Yeah, I mean, I would have to ask the people who have seen it. Uh, My guess is that most people would say that they would rather watch Mission Impossible 2 than Last Voyage of the Demeter again. I will say I'm harsh on Mission Impossible 2, I don't think it's a good movie. It's by far the worst of the Mission Impossible movies. But what I will say is that there's a lot more movies that I think are significantly worse. I would much rather see Mission Impossible 2 again than Barbie, for instance, right? I would even see I would rather see Mission Impossible 2 than Oppenheimer, even though I do think that objectively about Oppenheimer might be a better film. I don't think it's as entertaining of a movie. You know, just because a movie's not good does not mean that it doesn't have some entertainment value to it. All right, let us see. Laura says, I plan to see The Last Voyage of the Demeter mainly because there isn't much else out. That's that's a that's a fact. That That is a true statement right there. There really isn't. And what do we have coming out next week? Blue Beetle. <laughs> you know, it's like this is the, the, the time in Hollywood, it seems, this, this month of August, where we're, we're just not getting a lot of great releases. And what's also interesting is that I think many people in the box office media were looking at these movies coming out and saying, well, with Barbenheimer, we had this huge box office that no one saw coming. And so then when we had the weekend with TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, and Meg 2, that combined with Barbenheimer, oh man, this was one of the biggest box office weekends ever. And so I think 
Some of them may have wrongly read to say, oh, it looks like Hollywood is, is on the rise. It looks like maybe the box office is, is getting back in the swing of things. But they were misreading what was ultimately, no, this, I think, was just the power of the Barmanheimer meme. I, I think that it was able to drive enough people out to have interest. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of that carried over into these other movies. Because here's the thing with the Meg 2, at the very least. The Meg 2 is not really holding up well. It, it had a 71% drop from Friday to Friday. Now, as I've always been clear about, Friday drops are not going to be the end-all, be-all of a box office hit or flop, right? Some people have done this in the past where they've said, Ooh, the Friday drop for this Marvel movie is 70%. This is abysmal. It's not good. But it doesn't mean that the film is going to have a catastrophic second weekend or that it's somehow going to lose money. That in and of itself is not enough data. With The Meg 2, though, the reason why I am much more vocal about why I think the film will not be making money for Warner Brothers is because of the, the China factor. And you know, I've, I've talked about that quite a bit here on the channel about how when most of your money is coming from China, where you split that revenue... And then in addition to that, you're splitting your revenue with a Chinese company that co-produced the movie. There's just not going to be a whole lot there, especially when you're not making anything domestically and not nearly as much in other countries outside of China to justify it. It's it's not looking good for, for that movie. Not that anyone was really expecting it. So it is interesting, though. I think some box office followers, people like Tony over at Deadline and, and all those probably saw Barbenheimer and thought, oh man, this is the revival. But again, it was the meme that really sustained those movies. It was the, it was the meme that continues to sustain. I mean, we're still seeing 40% drops for both of those movies. It's kind of amazing how similar they are, right? Even though they are separated, right? Barbie is making about double of what Oppenheimer is making. As far as their percentage drops are concerned, they are still pretty much right there, neck and neck. Right in the 22nd day of their release, right? Barbie had a 40% drop from the previous week and Oppenheimer had a 39% drop. So we are still seeing the films again in a very interesting way, continue to perform on very similar levels. And I guess I can go ahead and pull, uh, pull that up for everyone to, to see. And, and we can go into this initial data. So as you can see, Barbenheimer is indeed back on top with Barbie taking the number one spot, dropping 40% from last week. From Friday to Friday, bringing another $10 million. It's told domestic at now $502.6 million. So still doing very, very well. Still have a lot of gas left in the tank for this film. All right, probably going to be walking away from the weekend in the, what, $30 million range or so. Oppenheimer, another $5.1 million. Only 39% off from where it was last week. This film passing $250 million domestic. And I keep going back to Oppenheimer, three-hour drama doing this well is very impressive. And also, typically, if a three-hour drama is doing that well, it's usually going to be one of two things. Either one, it's a phenomenal movie that everyone's going gaga for, or there's something else. Yes, there are a lot of people that have been praising the film, a lot of people who've enjoyed the film. I have not really gotten the sense, though, that there is a, oh man, I need to see this film over and over and over again. Even the people that have really liked it, I've not really heard a lot of them say, oh, this is the movie that I want to go see again and again and again, right? So I think that when when you look to 
when you look to this, ultimately it comes down to the Barbenheimer effect. It comes down to the meme. It comes down to the meme culture. And it makes sense, especially with, you know, Barbie's audience primarily being what? Gen Z females. Yeah, I showed you all the stats on that previously, and those stats are still holding up too. When it comes to the audience for Barbie, Gen Z females, Gen Z females are are by far the largest portion. Gen Y, millennial girls, millennial women are then the next, and then it starts to drop off a little bit further when you get into the when you get into the you know the the baby uh, sorry the Gen X going then into baby boomers where you start to see it split a little bit going more towards Oppenheimer or more recently it was actually going towards even a different film. In fact, let me go ahead and see if I can uh, pull up the recent, most recent data that we have on that. This comes from Movio, which provides, you know, weekend insights. So this is actually, uh, I think this is about a week or two. Yeah, it's about a week off at this point. So we'll get the updated numbers in, in the next coming days. But notice here, right, when it comes to the audience for, August 4th to August 6th, here is the Gen Z female breakdown. So of the Gen Z women that went to go see the movies that weekend, 23.9% were at Barbie. So again, still still a, a large portion there. But interestingly enough, 23.3% then also went to go see the Meg 2, 18.8% Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then only 9.5% for Oppenheimer. You then switch that over to Gen Y. Again, Barbie, 243 uh, TMNT 21.6, the Meg 21.6. So as you can see, right, these demographics are helping these other films that that are coming out. Interesting that Oppenheimer is actually not even on the radar here when it comes to the Gen Y female demographic. And when you get to Gen X, it goes Meg 2 winning, Barbie in second. As I said, right, the once you get in the Gen X going past, that's when Barbie starts to not be nearly as as big. Oppenheimer at 14.2, TMNT at 10.2, and then for Baby Boomers, the Meg at 22%, Oppenheimer at 19%, Barbie at 16.6. And so it is interesting, and I think that what you can see from this is that when you especially look at that Gen Z, Gen Y, you know, what are the other films that these that this demographic is going to support, right? Almost exactly the same for the Meg 2 and Barbie as far as that breakdown, and then for Gen Y... It's Barbie and TMNT, but then also the Meg is up there as well. So that's why I think you are seeing some some cross promotion or at the very least, you know, sharing of an audience between Barbie, TMNT and the Meg 2, which is why I think that you did see that bigger than expected weekend. The big question is going to be, will it be sustained and can it be sustained? And as Barbie starts to become an old film, right, a film that people have already seen as many times as they were ever going to see. When do we get to the point where um, where things start to kind of, I guess, correct at the box office? Meaning, when do we get to a more normal period when you don't have an event duo in, in Barbenheimer left? Because I think ultimately that's where we currently are with what we're seeing. Because when it comes down to it, right, Barbie at $1.076 billion, again, probably going to add quite a bit more. I mean, we're looking at it getting easily to 1.1, could even get to 1.2 billion this coming weekend, as it's still performing well in all these different markets. Oppenheimer, gonna pass 600 million, probably get close to 650 by the end of the weekend. TMNT, this is the big question mark. And again, this movie did not cost a whole lot. This film only cost around $70 million to make. So it's, it's break even, it's not very high. And the movie's opening weekend, I think, definitely came in higher than what anyone could have expected. But it still needs to make a bit of money. It still needs to be able to, to stretch its legs a little bit. 
And based on what we're seeing with those demographic breakdowns, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be nearly as strong, especially when you start to look at the the drops that we're seeing from, from week one to week two. The Meg, I don't think is going to make money. As I said, it just seems too difficult to understand that as a possibility because at $151 million, yes, the film only costs $129 million, but again, internationally, as far as its total box office is concerned, yeah, China, roughly $70 million. So of the 151 it's made that's been reported on the numbers, about 70 million of that is coming from China. So about half of the entire box office of this movie is from China. So remember, they're not getting all of that money. And so it's really fool's gold in a lot of ways. It's almost a wash in certain respects. And so if you're looking at every other market and all the rest of the money left, of which you might get, what, 50, 60% of that box office when everything is calculated, I don't really see how you can get money from that. So, yeah, the Meg 2 had a better-than-expected opening, but it is the kind of movie, and it's making money specifically in the markets that it really shouldn't be making, or rather, it's it's not good for it to be making the money in because if this had been making an extra $70 million domestic, okay, we would have a different scenario. But that's not what we're seeing right now. Last Voyage of the Demeter at $2.6 million. This film also did not cost a whole lot to make, budget of around $45 million. But at $45 million, we all know, hey, you need to make, what, $150 million or so to break even? Starting out at 2.6 is not a good thing. Haunted Mansion, as well as we know, uh, we yet another box office bomb from Disney. Looking at the chart, again, $45 million, right? According to my metrics, using a 2.5 multiplier, The Last Voyage of the Demeter needs, needs to make roughly $112.5 million to, to break even. It's only at 2.6 after a couple of days' numbers, it's not looking good. It's definitely not looking good for for that. And I think that when when it when it's all said and done, I think that we'll probably see Last Voyage of the Demeter end up being a box office flop as well. T uh, I think that the Meg needing to make $322 million. And again, it needs to make $322 on a more conservative end to break even. It's only at again $150 or so. Uh, sorry, yeah, around $150 vast majority of half of that, I should say, half of that coming from China. So even this number here, I think is already going to be difficult for it to hit. Add to that how much money at the end of the day will be coming from China more so than anywhere else. That's why hopefully you can see why I think that film will end up likely losing uh, likely losing a lot of money for the Meg 2. TMNT is the big question mark because it's around $70 million now. It needs to make 175 to break even on, on the more conservative side. So it's still possible. It could still do that, especially if it starts to open in other places internationally and starts to see some money there. Um, but it also, let's just say it would not surprise me to see it lose money. I, I would not be surprised that when we get the updated numbers tomorrow, when we do our box office breakdown, both here and for Geeks and Gamers, I would not be surprised if that range is either very small gain or a very small loss. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world for that studio, but it's also not going to be a moneymaker in in any way. So even though Barbenheimer has proven itself to be bringing in quite a bit of money for their respective studios, there's really not much else going on, right? Meg 2 is probably going to be a loss. Uh, TMNT could be a loss. Uh, you know, obviously Talk to Me has been making some money, but it was such a small budget. If, if, I mean, if it didn't make any money, that would be pretty, pretty bad. Haunted Mansion is going to be a pretty sizable loss. Mission Impossible, as I said, that the film has been legging quite a bit, but I still think that's going to be a pretty sizable loss at the end of the day. 
I mean, there really aren't a lot of big money makers. There's, as you can see, a lot of red in this column right here. And though there are exceptions, you know, Spider-Verse obviously brought in a lot of money. Uh, Insidious 5 brought in money. Obviously, Sound of Freedom bringing in a lot of money, too. Other than that, you have mostly large losses and then a few that are just not really in any way, shape, or form on any healthy ground. All the while, of course, though, Tony over at Deadline is going to try to spin a positive narrative in, in pretty much every way. The Greta Gerwig breaks global U.S. box office records for female director. Okay, Tony. Why Demeter is deep-sixing. Oh. Oh, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the chat. First off, Kincaid Rumsky over on Rumble says, What would you rather watch, The Meg 2 or Mission Impossible 2? I've not seen The Meg 2, but if I had to either choose to stay home to watch Mission Impossible 2 or Meg 2, go out to the theater to watch Meg 2, I would rather stay at home. I would... Rather stay at home to <laughs> to to watch Mission Impossible Two. If if again if I if I had to make that that choice, if I had to make that choice, I just saw something in the live chat, and this is something that I I've also seen, but it's not something that can be confirmed. So Master of Gaming, uh, no Kandahar. As far as the recording right now, as far as what we know, we do not have a budget for Kandahar. If you actually are looking at the data that I know you're looking at, which is saying the movie costs $70 million to make, um, there is really no site of any credibility saying that it costs that much money to make. So you're, you're talking about sites that are are not verified, basically, that cannot actually be trusted. So, no, we don't have a budget yet on Kandahar. My guess would be it would still be enough to where it didn't make its money back, but... Again, the numbers that you're seeing are not valid, or at the very least, can, cannot be trusted. Uh, Mr. Roy, what's going on? Welcome back, Mr. Roy. Glad to always have you here. Who else we got? Let's see. Emblazon64, what is going on? A fried Odin. Oh, dear. I know, right? Not not good. Not good. Let's see. Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Welcome back. Kili Chow rocking that pizza emote. What's going on? Jonah Wingster, do your students know about the show? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't believe I don't believe they do. Uh, some of them have been able to find the channel over the years, and typically, once one year knows, all the rest know as well because all of them talk. Um, but to my knowledge, none of them have really ever delved too far into like FNT or anything like that. So, Gary Banjo said, "Was Worthington? What's going on?" says Odin runs a doofus free class. You're darn right. You're darn right. I try to always every year get a little bit better of giving like that teacher stink eye. If you've ever been in school before, you probably remember at least one teacher that just could look at you and you'd be like, "Oh, okay, I need to start behaving. I'm just going to I'm just going to stop where I am right now." I try to make that better every year. And so far, it seems like it's uh, it's been it's been working. So, uh, let's see. Laura says, "Welcome to Pizza Talk. Welcome to Pizza Talk, everybody." I'm JMS. Do you think Blue Beetle is uh, in the next few days will flop? Oh, absolutely. Again, all the numbers that we have at this point that have been mentioned about the film indicate to me that it, it doesn't really stand a chance. We did get some update. I did think this was a little bit laughable. Uh, Box Office Pro did update their numbers. So remember, they had Blue Beetle at like the single digits in certain instances. 
Notice this jump. It has a 50% increase in their projections. That, that's quite a bit. And yet, even with that 50% increase, what do you see? A final domestic range of 45 to 87 million. So they suspect domestically it'll make, what, 70 million? That's not going to be enough. That, that film needs to make quite a bit of money to, to hit its own break-even point. I don't have it yet in my charting, but I believe it's north of $100 million. So you're looking at, what, 250 to $300 million potentially for it to break even, maybe even more? And if you're only making this domestically, and it's probably not going to be a huge international release, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And uh, again, I would not be surprised if Box Office Pro's projections here are kind of based on what Tony and the other you know, so-called box office experts have been using, which is wrongly and incorrectly reading the Barbenheimer effect as being somehow a sign that everything in the box office is starting to move in a positive direction again. I think the last voyage of the meter is a very clear sign. Nope, <laughs> we are not in a very healthy state right now. Uh, that that cross-pollination can only occur up to a point. Obviously, Barbie and Oppenheimer both worked together with the Barbenheimer effect. I think that did have something to do last weekend with helping out TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, and the Meg 2. But I think as we get further from the opening weekend of those two movies and they continue to drop off, I think that you know eventually you're going to get to a much more normalized standard and so, yeah, I don't think Blue Beetle is going to do well at all. I think I think Blue Beetle is going to going to crash and burn, based on everything that we're seeing right now. And then it also we have Strays coming out this weekend as well, fourteen to twenty-one. This one actually dropped twenty-nine percent its projections. So I don't know how much that movie cost, but it's definitely not a good place to be, in in any respect. So, Marshall J two, what's going on, Marshall J? Hi Odin, how's your day going so far? So far, so good. A little tired. A little tired, still still a little, uh, not fully 100% recovered from when I was sick the other week. Um, still have a little bit of a, um, I don't know if it's a post-nasal, stuffy nose, something like that. Uh, let's see, Laura says, Odin is a goth confirmed. Oh, you you know me all too well. I do love darkness. Specifically when when it's daytime. I do I do like a cloudy day. Nothing like a great cloudy day. But yeah, all the dead trees. Dodo Wingster, I've dealt with 100 degree summers before. I got better. Yes, seriously. I, I don't think I could ever deal with that type of summer before. I mean, New Orleans was already bad enough because it never temperature-wise got to that to that level, but the humidity is what made it worse. I mean, when you're living in a swamp, which is what New Orleans is, Below sea level, I mean, look, uh, a Texas heat, 100 degrees, okay. Most of the time, that probably is going to be a kind of dry heat. It doesn't hold a candle to being like 90 degrees in in New Orleans with the 75-plus percent humidity or whatever it might be on a given day. It's pretty bad, especially when you can feel like you're swimming through it. Forever Sci-Fi, what is going on? Miss Minnesota fan says, Winter is nice when there's no snow. I see, I guess it's because I don't get enough snow. I love snow. I want more snow here. Orange Eye Reviews, Fall and Spring are my seasons. Death and rebirth and all that. Yeah, I get you. I get you, man. I am all winter. All winter, all the time for me. Kimberly G, what's going on? Says, howdy, everybody. Can't wait for fall. I hate sweating at 7 a.m. every day at work. Yeah, I mean, I also, the other reason why I hate it is because at school, we have air conditioning working, but 
because people in school, and I don't want to try to throw people under the bus, but let's just say you ladies, whenever the air conditioning is on, there's always the common complaint of, it's too cold, it's freezing. And it's like, to me, I'm like, look, I'm a bigger guy in general. I walk around all my classes. So I end up getting really hot. So I want it to be cold. In fact, if it's cold enough to where I get to wear a jacket, that's perfect. Because again, that sensation of feeling warmed by a jacket and having layers on is great. I don't know. I, I would much rather that than have the air conditioning at the right level for only a specific demographic of people. Whereas me, it's like, okay, no, it's because it's not really cold. I'm going to get hot. I'm going to get sweaty. And it's going to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> and there's not going to be anything I can do about it. At least if it's cold and if you're cold, you could put a jacket on, throw a blanket on or something. But... Anyway, yeah, I, I was sweating a couple days this week, and it was awful. Uh, Miss Minnetonka fan says, I love fall cool weather and pumpkin spice. Yes, pumpkin spice anything? Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you with that one. Bruce, what's going on, brother? Peeking through those, <laughs> peeking through those hands. Uh, Sahil, what's going on, brother? We got Emblazon64 tagging to say, is there an Asgardian name for the baby on the way, or will you wait until after it's born? Yeah, we'll we'll have to, you know, I probably will announce a name after she's born. Kind of got to get to know her a little bit, get to get to know her little personality. Um, but right now, I think we could definitely argue that either a, de a derivative of Freya, like either like baby Freya or lady Freya or something like that. Um, or because now, because the Valkyrie, right? The former Valkyrie on the channel, the former mods on the channel, since they are, you know, on to other things. Um, and obviously shout out to them, shout out to Steph and shout out to Tina who continues to be on the mend. Um, maybe I could also uh, basically reclaim that name and, and, and name her, you know, little Valkyrie or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Those seem to be the names that I'm kind of leading towards because obviously I can't can't name her Loki. I mean, that just wouldn't <laughs> that wouldn't be a a good starting point. I think. Let's see, Grumco Tharaka, what's going on? Welcome back. Thank you very much for that super sticker donation. Um, I don't know. Is that a cup of coffee? Is that a cup of coffee? I see. Sure, it looks like a cup of coffee. But thank you. Marshall J. Odin, if you have to guess what you think Barbie's box office end of run box office numbers will be. Yeah, I mean, I, I typically at this point, after the first two weeks, will always go with whatever the, you know, the charting indicates, because those are historical standards. Uh, and the charting indicated that uh, somewhere between $1.1 and $1.5 billion would be a, a typical run for a movie with its first two weeks numbers. So I would say that probably is still holding we're looking at it getting probably to 1.2 or close to 1.2 billion this weekend. So I think that we're definitely going to see the film get its average at least, which was 1.327 billion. And I think it could definitely get to the 1.4, even 1.5 billion range. It's it's still holding strong. Again, the fact that it's first Friday or sorry, it's, it's most recent Friday is at 40%. If it's performing at that level, right? That means that it will perform better than the 50% projection that I had at 1.5 which makes 1.6, 1.7 actually possible. So if it continues to hold like that, and Blue Beetle's not going to be competition, there's really nothing set to come out soon that's going to be any real competition. So um, I definitely think that it has a lot of potential to reach not only the heights of, of my charting, but then also could be a chart breaker as well and could actually do even better than, than the ceiling that my chart puts on. And again, my 
my uh, charting uses historical data, historical standards, with the vast majority of movies falling in that range. But there's always exceptions, of course. Um, let us see. Where are we in the chat? Mighty Orbots, what's going on? Hail to you. Yes, indeed. Barbenheimer back on top. Uh, because Barbie, of course, is, has always been on top. But Oppenheimer, right, That you need, you need two to tango. And in, in the case of the Barbenheimer meme, you got two things there. Can't have Barbenheimer without both the Barbie and the Oppenheimer. And we know that Oppenheimer took a break from the second place spot last weekend. And at this point, it's looking like it's going to take the spot once again. Since the only new film released is The Last Voyage of the Demeter, and it's not doing anything at the box office. TMNT is seeing a pretty standard 50-plus percent drop this weekend. And its opening weekend was good, but not great. So that's not going to be able to, to match up to the stronghold that we're looking at for Oppenheimer. And then uh, The Meg 2, which took that number two spot last weekend, is having a pretty sizable drop. And so because of that, uh, Barbenheimer will be back in that one-two spot. I said that it was definitely possible for that to happen this weekend, and it looks like that is going to be the case. Let's see. Over on Rumble, Kinkan Rumsky says, will you be able to handle it if Barbie Mario are the two are two of the top five grossing movies of the year? I mean, obviously it's going to upset me in both situations. It's funny because some people, I think, only know me for my takes on Barbie, but I was pretty harsh on Mario, too. I definitely think Mario is the superior movie by a long shot, but I don't think either are great. Um, you know, in the case of Barbie, I think it's bad. In the case of Super Mario, I just think it's it's mediocre. And I you know, remember in my review, I did say, if you are a hardcore fan of the game, um, or if you are a fan of, of just those kinds of movies, then I could see you enjoying it. But to me, it was just, it was missing a lot, and my bigger issue was the characters just did not seem to fit. I, I think that when your voice actors start to make the characters their own in that the characters are no longer Donkey Kong, right? Are no longer Bowser, but is instead Jack Black as Bowser or Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Okay, now to me, you're not really being true and accurate to the characters at that point. I think it's definitely a worst case scenario with Bowser because, again, what's most people's recognition of the character? It's the song at the end. And so if you listen to that song at the end, you're like, okay, this is just Jack Black singing and he's just pretending to be Bowser. You know, it's just um, so as, that's why, again, I understand why people may have enjoyed it, but I just don't understand um, why people love it and praise it that that I don't get. But it's definitely gonna be difficult for me to see those two movies at the top of the box office because. One, I think there were significantly better movies that came out this year. And then also, too, I don't know what that means for, for what next year holds as far as what are going to be the biggest hits next year. Uh, KK and Rumsky then gave the recommendation of The Lady Sif. Could be. Could be. Probably have to talk about it with uh, The Lady Freya, of course. Now, we'll say the uh, the public YouTube name for, for Baby Girl is definitely not going to be as contentious as <laughs> as the actual name. Uh, that, that's still, a, again, not like a, you know, an ugly point of contention, but it's, you know, if you've had kids before, or, you know, people who've had kids, you know, that when it comes to the naming, usually that, that <laughs> can cause, you know, some controversy slash some, some fighting. Uh, we still got 57 people watching over on YouTube. So please smash that like button does mean a lot. Thank y'all for choosing to hang out here on your Saturday evening. <laughs> 
Let's see. General Wingster, Odin gonna name the girl Loki in real life so he can laugh when she gets bullied. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Come on, man. I may not, I may be cruel, but I'm not that cruel. Uh, let's see. Zane Waters, what's going on, Zane? How's it going? Do you know whatever happened to your Irish Catholic cousin? Uh, <laughs> wait, do you mean the 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 one I called my Irish sister? Uh, well, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've even thought about her, but uh, the last time that we had any in any interaction, she went off the rails crazy, tried doxing me, and uh, I don't really know what's happened since then. So. <laughs> Uh, y'all probably know a lot more than I do at this point, but I hope that she got help. Uh, and I, I said that at the time, and I think that she got mad because, uh, you know, I wasn't the only one saying it, but I think that she was going through something, and I think she needed some help, and I hope that she got it. I really do. I hope nothing but the best for her. I'm a person where I, I don't like having beef. I don't like having tension in, in, in most situations, in most cases, especially with people that I either care about or at one point cared about. So, yeah, uh, I hope they got help. All right, let's see. General Wingster says, I live in Waco with my mom, but stayed with my dad in Fort Hood a lot. Interesting. Orange Hat says, The Meg 2 is the second coming of Hollywood. It is a cinematic masterpiece that should get all the awards at the Ravens. Ah, I see what you did there, Orange Chat. You thought you were pulling my chain for a second. Nah, man. I love I love the sarcasm and I love when I can put I can pick up on it early because sometimes people will say things and it's sarcastic and it's like I I couldn't Master of Gaming I remember when you put Renfield in your most anticipated movies of 2023 and that movie has Dracula yeah and I again it was it was I even think I mentioned it it was solely because of Nicolas Cage I was like oh a Nicolas Cage Dracula movie that could be fun it wasn't the Dracula part that made it fun it was the Nicolas Cage as Dracula that made it fun. Uh, let's see, Zane says, Hollywood often portrays Christians as hypocrites, too. They'll be closeted gay or having an affair or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and and typically, if you bring up that as a criticism, they'll then, you know, retort with, oh, well, it's true, though. People do. And, and that's what drives me always crazy about it is, yes, but when that's the only thing or the primary way that you're portraying a certain group, then it starts to make people believe that that is almost universally true. It's just like how there's always the jokes, and you know I see this on FNT's chat all the time, right? Whenever Catholicism is brought up, the church is brought up, my faith is brought up, there'll be people who will go in there and make some off comment about priests, right? And it's like, okay, one, seriously, if that's the only thing that you have to say is like, well, you know, the priests and kids, it's like, bruh, seriously? Get a life. But also, secondly, it's like, okay, but if that's all you're thinking about, you're missing a pretty big piece of this puzzle, Cause like, let's not even, do you want to go into the data about what happens to kids in the public school system? Because if you think what happens in the church is bad, guess what? It's actually even worse in the public school system. It's bad no matter where it is. And that's the thing that Hollywood and the people who buy Hollywood's propaganda, one thing that they can never do, especially in regards to these kinds of topics is understand nuance and also understand the actual facts and data. You know, it's just... And Hollywood doesn't help. When Hollywood decides to to push a specific narrative in, in in almost every single area, and it creates that that narrative surrounding these things, it causes damage in the long run. 
Let's see. General Wingster, I rewatched the 99 Mummy, and it's still a fun ride. Do you like it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Mummy Mo Mummy 1, Mummy 2. And I know out of context, you're like, Mummy, Mummy. Uh, but yeah, the the OG Mummy, Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. I love the first two films. First one is better than the second one, but they're both fun. They're both great. Um, I actually even like The Scorpion King. I thought that one was fun. It's not a good movie, but it was fun. Um, but I also love the ride as well. At Universe. Oh, I love that ride. I love the mummy ride. It's so much fun. But I, unfortunately, I just, I wish the third one had been a better film. I really do wish they had finished that franchise with something really good. But hey, at least we do have those first two films because they are a ton of fun. Let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey says, in this day and age, if someone were named Loki, people would think they're saying half a sentence. I'm Loki. You're Loki what? That's a good point abomination but they would also think oh you must be a fan of the loki series because there's a female loki on that show not as many because no one really watched it but there would be some <laughs> uh rob d hello odin last voyage of the demeter i definitely want to see don't think i'm going to end up seeing it as many as seeing as many movies this year as last year yeah, it's definitely slowed down a bit. Some movies have gotten delayed because of the strikes as well. It'd be interesting to see if any other films get delayed um, the further that we get into these strikes. But yeah, it's you know there's only really a handful. Um, it was Critical Drinkers Review that really sold me on Gran Turismo. I, I think I'd mentioned this one previously when I realized it was Neil Blomkamp who was directing it because I love District 9. Um, Elysium is not good. Uh, Elysium is a giant letdown. I remember going into it saying, oh, this is the guy that did District 9. This is going to be just as good. It just wasn't. I think it's because of that differential between them that I think it's worse than it probably actually is. Again, I'm not saying that, you know, maybe Elysium's great, but I think that we could definitely say, yeah, in comparison, it's, it's not even close. And then for Chappie, my issue with Chappie is less so with the movie, it rather is less so with the character of Chappie and more so with the rest of the movie because... Had they named the movie Dean Atwood, the real-life story, I at the very least would know what the movie was about. Because when I went into Chappie, I thought, okay, this is going to be a movie about Chappie. It's going to be a movie about you know this robot and these other things surrounding him. But then the vast majority of the movie ended up being about this band, Dean Atwood, who's in the film as actors, and about them and about their story. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so is this just, you know, DeAntwood, the real life story featuring Chappie? That, that's honestly how it felt. Had they named it that, you know what? At least it would have been more honest with what the movie actually gave you. Um, but I think Chappie is a lot better than Alicia. I enjoyed Chappie a lot more. Um, not that it was a better film, but it was more entertaining than that. But neither of them come even close to District 9. District 9 is just phenomenal. Um, but because... Even Critical Drinker seemed to indicate that, too, that he loved District 9 and then it was not nearly as high on, on Elysium or on Chappie, and that this is almost a return, not to the same level as District 9, but the very least a lot closer than the other two ever got, made me excited for it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I actually had an early fan screening to see it. I was going to go see it this past Wednesday, but a couple things. I had just started school, so I was tired. And two, it was raining. It was, and again, not just raining, raining. It was like downpouring. Like we've had some random storms coming through the area. If you live in the Tennessee area, um, you know that there's been some, you know, some pretty, some pretty severe storms that have been coming through the area. And so because of that, I was like, look, I could. And if this was a movie I really, really wanted to see, I would be doing it. But 
again, Critical Drinkers review had not come out yet. I had known that I, I had known I had some some general interest in it, but I think Critical Drinkers review definitely you know sold that film on me as far as as far as me going to go see that film in theaters. See, Ram D, time to say, Blue Beetle will make one billion domestically from the Thursday previews alone. Kidding, yeah, obviously. <laughs> It'll be the greatest movie ever. Sahil, time to say, that's true. My sister, who never goes to the theater, is going to watch Oppenheimer because of Barbenheimer. Yep. I, I, I knew uh, a couple people, too, when we were talking uh, to like some couple's friends as well. Like, oh, we were talking about movies that we had gone seeing, we're going to see. And they had said, oh, yeah, we're going to go see Barbie this night and then go see Oppenheimer this night. So, yeah, again, that got a lot bigger um, reaction than I think a lot of us were assuming that. Because this is, again, still a factual statement, which is why I didn't think the Barbenheimer effect would be as big. That online movements do not guarantee box office. And I've brought this up before, but it's important to always bring up data to kind of show the general point. Just go back to... Uh, Morbius, the whole it's Morbin time thing, right? Huge online meme, huge presence, millions upon millions of interactions, so much so that the studio got involved and said, oh, let's bank on this and let's go ahead and and, and open the film. It had already been out for a while and they were like, let's go ahead and re-release it into even more screens. And guess what? No one went to go see it because online movements do not guarantee ticket sales. Barmenheimer is really the first in a long time to actually promote and to you know give a level of hype that actually got delivered upon in fact even probably higher than what anyone would have thought let's see master gaming strays and back on the strip is also coming out the same weekend as blue beetle so i believe strays is actually coming out uh this coming weekend sorry 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 yeah so yeah blue beetle strays are all coming out the same weekend as as blue beetle but again strays is not going to really make a whole lot of money uh, it was is an R-rated comedy of, of animals talking. I feel like it's been done before. I just I just don't see that appealing to a lot of people. And then uh, back on the strip, Luminosity Entertainment haven't heard of that, so that, that they're not even tracking anything there. So that's not going to make anything. The Hill from Briarcliff probably also not going to do much of anything. So Blue Beetle is going to be the only real wide release doing anything. Um, but because it's being projected to make twenty to twenty seven million. Let's see, this coming weekend, you know, this weekend currently with uh, with Barbie. Uh, let me see if I can find the uh, the deadline article. I, I hate having to, to kind of try to dive all the way through through Tony's nonsense. But it is, he usually does have what they think the film is going to end up making for the weekend. Let's see. Right now, they're looking at it being a $30 million weekend. So it made ten million on Friday, and so they're projecting three day total of thirty million dollars for Barbie, seventeen point two million dollars for Oppenheimer, which would be a forty three percent weekend drop for Barbie and a thirty nine percent weekend drop for Oppenheimer. So at thirty million dollars, it's dropping in the forties. So let's say it drops another forty percent, we could see it probably get to still getting around maybe twenty or close to twenty million dollars next weekend. So with the projections coming out for Box Office Pro, uh, you know, looking at the Blue Beetle, yeah, that would so we could end up seeing Barbie beating out Blue Beetle. So even though we're seeing those those strong holds, so it's still going to be in the top three at least. Talking about Barbie, the fact that Blue Beetle's range is twenty to twenty seven million, 
And that is, again, them upping their their projections up 50%. And I think some of that's going to be impacted by a false perception of the box office recovering in some way. Yeah, you could still see Barbie coming out number one again next weekend up against a film like Blue Beetle. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Thursday numbers are for Blue Beetle and if it's going to be able to actually knock Barbie off of that number one, number one spot. We shall see. I don't think it will, but <laughs> let's see. Sahil says box office mojo has different Friday numbers for Mission Impossible seven. Yeah. I mean, box office mojo is such a weird animal. They, for instance, we, we already know that when I believe it was back when, uh, Indiana Jones, Donald destiny had come out, they were putting out the numbers for the Monday and Tuesday following its opening weekend, even though it was only Sunday. Like, they were putting out numbers that had not even come to fruition yet. And they do that to a certain extent, too, when they do their weekend projections. But you're talking about them making those projections based off of Thursday, Friday, Saturday data, and then early Sunday data. So they're they're using enough data to make those, to make those projections. Box Office Mojo... You know, if they're on Sunday projecting what the Monday and Tuesday will be, th- there is no way of, of really predicting that. <laughs> there, there is no way of being able to figure that out. So I do not trust Box Office Mojo's numbers almost in any way. Like, the only time I ever trust them is when the numbers have already been released and they are just like finalizing the data. Like th- they're usually a little bit more quick to, to get that data and to get that information out there. Um, but... But yeah, I, I do not trust because the numbers has Mission Impossible making $1.2 million, which is only 30, 34% down from, as I mentioned, it's not high numbers by any means. The, the film has a long way to go to get anywhere close, and I don't think it's going to happen for it. But as far as percentage goes, it, it again is still holding 31 days out. It's still holding well. So it's going to pass $500 million worldwide this weekend. That's still nothing close to the you know, you know, six twenty-five plus. It needs to to make to break even. Again, that's a much more conservative number. My six twenty-five. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's 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 seven twenty-five. My bad. Seven twenty-five break even, and that's again using a two point five multiplier. So, you know, it's still a far cry from that, and I, I don't think it's going to get anywhere close to that. But yeah, but as far as the main story with Box Office Mojo, yeah, don't don't take their do not take their numbers. Uh, seriously, especially when it's projecting things. <laughs> they, they just really can't be trusted at this point. Uh, Chair Relax, what's going on? Welcome back. Yeah, Equalizer 3, yeah, definitely a film I'm looking forward to. I could definitely say that, having now seen both of them. Uh, let's see, Snow Golem 13 over on Odyssey. What's going on? Hail, it's Morbin time! Yeah. The movie was definitely not Morbin, that's for sure. Let's see, King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, I watched the Stargate movie today, Kurt Russell, James Spader. Even though I liked the movie, I think I liked Richard Dean Anderson better in the TV show. Thoughts, comments, concerns. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I think I did, because I know, I think it was Bruce, maybe? Bruce, did you send me Stargate? Someone sent me Stargate. It was either Bruce or Laura. Typically, it's one of those two. Um, because I have, I believe I have the Stargate Steelbook, in fact. Um, I think I may have watched that one. And I, I remember liking it. But it was not a movie that I, I felt to, to go back and rewatch again. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie, though. So I let's just say I don't remember enough about Stargate. If I had watched it to say anything, 
and I did not watch the TV show. So <laughs> you're welcome. I'm sure that was very helpful and beneficial to to the question that you were asking. Uh, Jeremy Zakowski, uh, so you haven't read classic books like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? No, I haven't. I, I remember seeing the old, it was an older film edition of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. But yeah, I again, I typically don't read a lot of older works. And that's not me trying to say they're not good. It's just the way that my my brain works and having ADD especially has always made reading much more difficult that I am much more drawn to stories that are a little bit more straightforward. That and nonfiction work for, again, some reason. <laughs> General Wingster, TMNT hasn't been good for about a decade now. Yeah, I mean, other than what I, other than what I got from the live action editions. Let's see. Laura says, center your chart columns, you heathen. What do you mean center them? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> I think some of them had been had been centered at one point in time, but since since you asked, I will I will let's see what I can do. There we go. Oh, it looks a little weird for that one, but I'll allow it. There you go. Hope you're happy. Hope you're happy, Laura. Complaining about that. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father, says, just returned from our high school freshman's retreat, guessing there's no stream Tuesday unless it's not a holy day in the traditional calendar. <laughs> oh, very, very funny, Father. Now, I still have plans to do a, a stream then because we have mass at school that day, so I will be fulfilling the holy day of obligation that it is, the blessed assumption. You know what, Father? I'm honestly surprised that that the whole Novus Ordo uh, bishops didn't decide just to switch the day and say, you know what, we're just going to do that on Sunday or we're just going to do it on the next Sunday. You move everything else. <laughs> Uh man, that's uh, that's interesting though that y'all have a retreat before school actually starts. Our our retreats don't don't our our retreat program for our school does not start until we're we're in school. Let's see. Laura says, "I watched Lady Bird. I can't wait to get your opinion on that movie. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. Uh, and again, especially because you know there are these, you know, it, it's in certain ways a um not a documentary, but it's Greta Gerwig telling her own life story in certain respects. It's it's somewhat autobiographical in certain respects. And there's a couple of scenes that to me are just not very uh not very classy. So for instance, at one point you have these two girls in like the back of a church and I think they're maybe in the sacristy even. And they have a bag of unconsecrated, so at the very at least they did that much, but it's unconsecrated host, and they're snacking on them. And like there's things like that in the film that to me I, I was just like, ah oh, no. General Winkster, I declare Greta isn't even a real woman. Oh, which Greta? That's the real question. Cause now there's two Gretas that are in the mainstream. Father says, somehow my students discovered my channel last year. Don't know how. I mean, Father, these kids, they, and, and let's just be fair, you know, Google search usually shows up with a lot of data pretty pretty easily. Um, I know that for me, one of the issues that, that can come up is, um, 
if any other class has ever discovered information before because they taught because they talk or even they share a couple of things um you know it becomes that much more easier to find uh he then says the stink eye for father is that he's grinning at the student and not saying a word yeah i wouldn't do the grinning thing that just to me would be creepy <laughs> i'd much rather have like the dark like than the almost horror film I don't know. The horror film smile is just a little too much for me. <laughs> JKMX76, what's going on, brother? Says, I hope it fails. Talk about there about uh, Blue Beetle. Yep, I agree. Um, based on what I've seen, yeah, definitely don't think it should be getting anything. Kike and Rumsky, it's pronounced Novus Bordo. Yes, 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 indeed. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, if we're going to go down that road, yeah, you know, we talk about Vatican II, respecting Vatican II. The Novus Ordo isn't even following what the Second Vatican Council said should happen in the reforms of the liturgy. So one could argue, well, Paul VI promulgated it, and so therefore it must be, uh, it must be valid. Okay, does that mean that it's fitting? Does that mean that it is as good as what came before? And also the same question: Does that mean that it actually goes and falls in line with what the Second Vatican Council actually implemented? Because I can tell you, based off of how it's uh, the the Novus Ordo has been implemented, nope, <laughs> it has not been implemented in connection or in essence, in the spirit, as it were, of Vatican II. As Latin is almost nowhere to be found in the vast majority of liturgies. Not even to mention things like communion on the hand being well overdone. Ad Orientum being all but abandoned, etc. For sci-fi, I remember Blue Beetle from Smallville. He's a side character at best. They probably have done better with Wonder Twins movie. Oh man, I need to go back and rewatch Smallville. I forgot. I forget the episode that that had Blue Beetle in there because I I I love Smallville. Smallville's a great show. General Wingster, it's obvious the ship movie needs some more. <laughs> the ship movie needs some morbid magic. Yes, the last voyage of the Demeter needs a little bit of morbid time. <laughs> uh brad beer hunter oh man the former pet troll general wingster took his took his place general wingster is a much better troll than brad ever was uh <laughs> brad's in the chat what's going on man uh watch barbie or heat rash pick your poison heat rash any day uh dr martin van nostren cheers what's going on brother welcome back general wingster tell the women in your school to get sweaters on and go back and <laughs> No, Wingster, no! <laughs> Come on now. Come on now, man. You're better than that. You're better than that, General Wingster. <laughs> oh, much love, brother. Let's see, Father says, I'm always warm, which is why I wear the Roman vestments. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I'm glad that you wear the vestments. Nothing drives me crazier than when I see a priest in regular clothes, in street clothes. And again, I understand the argument that some try to make, but to me, it's like, I'm sorry, like you should always be a, a, because you are always a priest. You should always look and it comes down to if you're going out in public to do something that is not a part of your priestly ministry. I think that enough people in the world have so many issues that to not give them the opportunity to see that a priest is available to them. That I have a problem with. So, anyway. Da -da -ba -ba -da. Chat jumped on me like it always does. Thank you all again for hanging out this evening. JKD Buck says, Saw Oppenheimer today, great movie. Again, it was, again, was it a solidly made movie? Sure. 
but it's got issues. It's a B-level movie. And I know that there was a huge debate on FNT before I jumped on a few weeks ago about whether it was pretentious or not. It is. And here's where I come down and here's how I, how I defend that position. If you have something in your movie and the only defense of it is because I could, that's pretentious. So why in Oppenheimer did Christopher Nolan decide to have the film be out of order for it to be uh, jumping back and forth in timelines, especially for that first 30 minutes or so, you know, why would he do that? What was the purpose? Is there a broader purpose or was it because he was like, Oh, because I felt like it because I could, because there really, in my view is no other position that can actually be presented to explain why you would do that. Because again, there was, there's one thing, for instance, if you are looking to one of his older films, a much better film that he did, where the movie was backwards, and by the end of the film, you recognize why the film was backwards and, and, you know, memento, you know, and why it was doing that. Okay, there's a purpose that that serves. Whereas for, for movies like, like this, for, I would even say you could, you could apply this as well to the, the war film that he did, that I always blank on, Dunkirk, right? Why did he have the different timelines and all the different things? Because it, because I could, because it would look cool, because of this or that. That is the very definition of of pretentiousness. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh goodness. Let's see. Lower Tata say, yeah. On behalf of the people of size, the cold natured can always add more clothing. Put on his sweater and. <laughs> Oh, man. Laura, thank you for adding that context because in the live chat, I thought, what did I say? What what did I say that that's made you so upset that you need saving? And now because of the context you provided, I, when I get to it and highlight it, I know exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Fox One, what's going on? I'm Jamie S. says, believe it or not, I have not swam or even went camping this summer. The summer has gone too fast. I know it really did go by way, way too fast. And I did not get nearly as much done as I wanted. I didn't make as many rosaries as I hoped I would. I didn't watch all of Babylon 5 like I hoped I would. I watched a lot of it. Again, I'm starting season 4. But I I should have been able to finish all of it with the time that I had. And I definitely did not do as much reading as I wish I had as well. Uh, See, Orange Hat says, I think a good derivative would be Frigga, pronounced Frigga, or just call her Sif. She will no doubt be a strong-willed child. Oh, yes. If if her if my wife's pregnancy has been any indication of her personality, yes, you know you know baby Thor he would would make himself and his presence known like a typical child does. Uh, baby girl, let's just say like she's been swimming. <laughs> like there's been days where it's like my wife has been like, "What in the heck are you doing in there, baby girl?" Like it's been bad. Rob D, the fact that Blue Beetle is a modern live-action DC film guarantees it will flop. That's actually a good point. That is a fair, fair point. Um, and also, uh, because Snow Gollum, I saw that he, he mentioned a little bit uh, Babylon 5. It's a long run to catch up on. Yeah, but I mean, I was able to watch all of DS9 last summer. So I, I knew it was possible. And, and again, I just got distracted by other things, was watching other things in addition to that that, that as well. Um but because you mentioned Babylon 5, I almost think it might be a good thing that I didn't watch all of it because it's finally getting released on Blu-ray. It's it's getting released in December on Blu-ray. I'm going to see if they if the price goes down a little bit. I know it's currently, quote, on sale. I think the full price is, like, closer to 140 Right now it's on sale for 100 Again, I know at some point it will be dropping down much lower than that. 
But obviously I do plan on getting it on Blu-ray because I do think it's a good series. I know my wife loves it as well. And right now all we have is a borrowed DVD copy and the digital versions that we have from the streaming services that it's on. But General Wingster, I found Barbie more entertaining than Mario. Oh boy, General Wingster. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Brad says, if you put your beard on your head, is it still a wig? Yes, it would still be a wig at that point. <laughs> General Wingster, it means that general audiences are dumb, Odin. Yeah, this is true. This is definitely true. Uh, awesome one. Great salty show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the Salty Saturday morning podcast this morning was a lot of fun. Jakey Buck, Odwina, like Edwina, but Odin instead of Edwin. Sounds good. Edwina? I don't know. <laughs> Odinrella from Awesome One. <laughs> Odin, name her Bella after the greatest heroine protagonist ever. No, never, ever going to happen. And it's so sad, too, because the name Bella, by its very nature, its definition, is such a beautiful name. And it's been forever tainted because of Twilight. Gosh. Just, it ruins so many things in this world. J.D. Buck says, I named my daughter Mary after Mary Magdalene. It was very important. It was, it was for a very important reason. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, J.D. Buck. And that's, I think, where we currently are is that there are certain names that have meanings for each of us. And so we're trying to find the best way to balance that out by also making sure that she doesn't have a ridiculous... <laughs> You know, ridiculous name. So, yeah, it's the typical thing, right? Because uh, we're, we're in agreement on a few things, um, specifically like middle names. We, we, we are we're, we're pretty much in agreement on, but it, it's it's how we get to that point that we haven't quite uh, determined yet. General Wingster. But Odin actually wanted to get my teachers in public school. <laughs> oh, no. General Wingster. No. Bad General Wingster. Bad General Wingster. Uh, Zane says, I think part of what tanked Mummy 3 was the change in actresses. The original was so good and had great chemistry with Brendan Fraser. I mean, there was a lot, let's just be fair, there was a lot of issues with Mummy 3. You know, that's definitely a part of it. But the writing, the length between films, there were a, a bunch of things going on with that movie. Uh, Jenna Wingster, but Elysium had Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, not having Rachel Vice is definitely always a a bad <laughs> bad decision in a general sense. Great Wuda had to say Chris uh, Chris Gore enjoyed the Grand uh, Grand Turismo film too. Yeah, I, again, having also his word in there definitely also uh, you know picks that up a bit for me too. They call me Mr. Williams. What's going on, brother? Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. See, Rob D. Tessay, watch Blue Beetle's losses will offset all of Barbie's profits. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that won't happen because Blue Beetle does not cost nearly as much as The Flash or as a lot of the other films from, from Warner Brothers this year. So it's going to be a financial loss, but it's definitely not going to be the biggest loss that they've seen this year. And none of it's going to touch the losses that Disney is seeing for not only all of their movies, with the exception of Guardians 3. But the 400 million likely loss of Dial of Destiny, people need to remember this, right? When it comes to Dial of Destiny, the reported budget was 300 million. And yet many in the media have already said this film probably costs much higher than 400 million. Because we already know that this is a standard where they spend more than the projections. And Doctor Strange was, again, proof of that. This year, we found out it cost 100 extra million dollars versus what, what it actually 
was reported to have cost. So when you start to get next year, when we get those tax returns or tax reports about how much they spent on Dial of Destiny from the UK, I think we're going to see it north of $400 million. And that means even with a more conservative two and a half multiplier, you're looking at the film being 300, 350 million plus in the red. Might be the biggest box office flop of all time, at the very least of the modern era. So even even the terrible numbers for The Flash are not going to get anywhere near the awful numbers that are going on for, for that right now. Jonah Wingster, what is Blue Beetle? Is he a part of the band? He should be. He definitely should be. <laughs> Kick in Rumsky over on Rumble uh, says, you have watched Stargate SG-1, Babylon 5, etc. I assume this means you haven't uh, even heard of Farscape. I have not seen Stargate SG-1. So again, I, I have watched Stargate... Isn't Stargate the movie? I've seen the Stargate movie, the original Stargate movie, I think. I believe I have. Um, I've never seen the show. I've seen Babylon 5, and I've seen DS9. So I have not seen Farscape. I've heard of Farscape. And I've heard of Stargate SG-1, but I've not actually seen those. I did read the next line, good sir. But you mentioned Babylon 5, and I've watched most of Babylon 5. So, King Kane Rumsky, you're wrong. You're wrong, King Kane Rumsky. You're wrong, okay? I'm going to build a big, beautiful wall over on Rumble, and it's going to be the best wall in the world. Abomination. Uh, yeah, you got to adjust for inflation. Always, always got to adjust for inflation. <laughs> uh, all right. Let us see. J.K. Buck says, I've seen Oppenheimer, and then I'll watch Doom Part 2. Then I'm done for the year. No Dial of Doom free for me. Hey, I don't blame you, dude. Um, I would definitely say, though, it, again, I haven't seen it. I, I can just take the word of the critical drinker himself. Who knows? Uh, it might be worth going to see. It might be going worth to see. Uh, Gran Turismo, that is. Let's see. General Wingster. Esther... Oh, <laughs> Esther Dickerson is in the chat. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Let us see. Uh, Zane, did I say, I definitely get it. Not liking Lady Bird. Lots of stuff out there that is sacrilegious to my religion too, or just laughably untrue under the banner of heaven. Oh yeah, I mean, again, there's just a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in there. Let's see, Esther Dickerson said then said, fair point. I don't know what that is a reference to, but okay. Uh, Jonah Wingster said, I found Odin on Wikipedia once. They didn't mention film reviews at all, though. They kept talking about Vikings for some reason. <laughs> Robby says, that creepy smile should be your new profile pic. No, 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 no. Definitely not. <laughs> I have standards. I know I know you can't tell from, from my thumbnails, but I do have standards. <laughs> Luke Zilla, what's going on, brother? Does it, do you think Doom Part 2 will be performing to a certain degree as well as Oppenheimer, especially with rumors that's around 3 hours and 15 minutes long? I don't. Uh, again, Oppenheimer was helped by the Barbenheimer effect. Um, to my knowledge, there is not going to be a, a collaboration of sorts in the online arena with Dune Part 2. So I, I do not think Dune Part 2 is going to do Oppenheimer numbers. Oppenheimer is right now looking to... You know, get past six hundred million dollars this weekend. Probably end seven, seven, seven to eight hundred million worldwide by the end of its run. Um, and for Dune Part Two, I go back to the first movie. First movie did fine for the year it came out, 
and for how HBO and how Warner Brothers was handling their their movie releases. But yeah, I, I don't see that film doing as well. I don't see that film doing as well. And it, it you know, even though it's it cost less, apparently, I believe it cost less than the first Dune film. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be enough for it to break even. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, we still need to get some some early numbers. And right now, there's not really a lot of tracking on, on Dune Part 2. I know I'm looking forward to it, but... Zane says, the original Blue Beetle was Ten Cord, who was one of those scientist-turned-superheroes. Then in the last 25 years, they created an alien mech suit and gave it to uh, uh, Jaime Reyes. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, it sounds kind of like what the modern Marvel and, and modern comic industry has has been about, right? Is taking an original character and then deciding to, quote, make it for a modern audience, and then you just end up taking away key elements of the character. Abomination over on Odyssey says, Dial of Destiny is a billion-dollar loss in 2030 U.S. dollars. <laughs> And then it says, are there any memorable movies coming out at the same time as Dune 2? Could we see something like Dunenheimer? Oh, man. A Dunenheimer movie. You know, if there was some, if if somehow they had gotten that to be a meme, that would be phenomenal. But those are, I think, two, they're not the same by any means, but we could argue that they're similar. Both would be three hours. Both would be dramas, etc. Um, But yeah, I don't think that we'll see that. Let me go ahead and look at the release schedule, though. And see if if there is a possibility to get a a Dune team up, a Dune Part Two team up with something else. <laughs> oh boy, nope, not really. All right, so so here's the numbers.com. So October twenty seventh, Five Nights at Freddy's comes out wide, and then November third, the only major release is going to be Dune Part Two. The following weekend, it'll be Journey to Bethlehem, the Marvels, and then the Holdovers. So, nothing the same weekend. So, again, a true Barbenheimer, and it's sad that that's now going to be in the lexicon of box office numbers and stuff. But a true Barbenheimer means it's two big movies coming out the same weekend. Uh, So, we already do not have a movie that is going to fit that bill. And if you even try to expand it out to say, okay, let's have a week separation. I don't think you're going to have a crossover between Dune and Marvels. <laughs> the Marv Dune? The Marv Dune effect? Could we see a Marv Dune effect? I doubt it. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. Oh, good old Marv Dune effect. You thought you had seen it all with Barbenheimer. Now we bring you Marv Dune. <laughs> the Marv Dune effect. Goodness gracious. General Wingster, wait, which one was Brad again? Was he the fat chick at Wendy's? <laughs> uh, Jeremy Zikowski. Critics always praise Blue Beetle as the best DC film of the year and uh, already are praising it as the best DC film of the year. And main character is Latino. Yep, of course they are. That's what their job is. I remember when there was a lot of praise coming out from a lot of people about Flash and that movie wasn't good. I mean, again, who are the people coming out with reviews? It's the access media. The people who are, are, are you know, pampered, given gift boxes, gift sets, all this other stuff to make them feel good. They're access media. Their opinions really cannot be trusted. <laughs> so, and I don't know if it was Blue Beetle, but 
I know that Christian Toto, who is one of the few reviewers out there that has any shred of honesty, it seems, I think he had mentioned, I forget if it was Blue Beetle or something else, but he had there was supposed to be a screening for it and it didn't happen. And typically when you're a studio and you're removing screenings from certain places and only having them be, for instance, in these premiere settings where it's handpicked people and you're giving them stuff. Okay, that, that's going to taint the water a little bit. But anyway. See, Father says, wait, did Oppenheimer jump around in time? Did he do another Dunkirk? I hated Dunkirk because I didn't realize it was three different stories until the end. Yeah, seriously. Again, pretentious. Um, It's not that exact same thing. It's more of you have a scene taking place at one time in history, and then it jumps to something in the future. And basically, again, it's at least with Dunkirk, there's an attempt to try to make it make sense. But it's also really just, again, a pretentious filmmaking thing. This one, it's more it's even more pretentious because it's done for no reason. There's no legitimate reason as to why it was done in that way. All right. There it is from from Laura. And thank you for adding the context of Smallville. Somebody save me. Yes, I love that song. I love that theme so, so much. Uh, let's see. Just another red shirt. Well, Dune as a book takes almost a week to read. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I never picked it back up again, but I did get more than halfway through and I, I was enjoying it. I was liking it. Let's see. Shen Hong over on Rumble. What's going on? Uh, you're not going to go see the Marvel Save Christmas <laughs> Abomination over on Odyssey. Uh, are there, let's see. I got it. The Dune titled anime event. Bingo. Yes. Gotta love on the untitled anime event (laughs) on November 8th. Yeah, sure. Why not? Or journey to Dune part two or Dune part two to Bethlehem. (laughs) I guess you could combine those together too. I don't know. I I like, I like a Marv Dune. Welcome to the Marv Dune effect. Jedi Wingster. But Odin, those nude scenes made the bomb movie even better. No, it didn't. Those scenes were completely unnecessary and were were scandalous. I I mean, again, I I hate when people put that crap in their movies. It's even worse when someone like Nolan, who really doesn't need to, put stuff like that in there. When he's never done something like that before. Jedi the Wingster says, there should be a law against have went. Jenna Wingster, as Odin's wife, this child needs to stop trying to be Michael Phelps. Yes, stop swimming for the sake of Lady for, for the sake of the Lady Freya. Favorite uh, sci-fi. I think I miss Odin talking about passing through. Get seventy. Like <laughs> Thulu. I'm with Jenna Wingster. I like Barbie better than Mario. Ken's direction was excellent. Hope you're well. <laughs> Again, I think the memes from it are by far more entertaining for sure. But the movie itself, heck no, heck no. Laura says, I like Ruth for a girl. That's a, it's a good name. It's a good, solid biblical name. Father says, what I hear, I what, when I hear Bella, I think of the pro-life movie. Yeah, but most people don't, unfortunately. Orange Hat, Mary Madeline gets the worst rap by most ignorant religious types. If my Bible memory is correct, she was the witness to his resurrection. Yeah, she is the first. In, in the Bible, she is the first to witness the resurrected Christ. She is the one. But also, here's the other thing that oftentimes people, I think, forget right? She's the first to witness Christ. And yet what is the first thing that she does? She goes and gets Peter. 
She goes and gets the apostles to tell them, but primarily she gets Peter. Uh, Esther Dickerson, uh, man, Twilight was way overrated, big time, big time. Miss Minnesota fan, I shared my middle name with most of America. Oh, interesting. Interesting. All right, we are right at the end of time, so I'm going to try to read as many of these last comments as as I can. Let's see, Abomination over on Odyssey. If someone made a movie about the stunt jumper guy, you, him, uh, evil, evil, Dunevil, yes. Now that, if there was an evil Knievel movie coming out the same weekend as Dune, yes, you could do Evil Dunevil Part 2. Now that would be great. Um... Let's see. Laura says, I'm pretending to type so my mother-in-law will leave me alone. No, no, Laura. No. Oh, that almost kind of reminds me, Laura, because baby baby Thor has been on a kick. He's obsessed with Wally and A Bug's Life right now. And so we love those movies. They're great. But then sometimes you're like, okay, I need a bit of a break. So we were able to get him to watch Coco today. And oh, man, Coco makes you cry because there's a a point where Miguel, uh, the character of Miguel is playing to his um oh what is it to him is it his aunt coco mama coco is is the name in the movie like mama coco um and and mama coco is suffering from from some type of some form of like dementia and stuff and he starts playing this beautiful song remember me and she starts recognizing it oh my my mama you know we we lost her to 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 Alzheimer's. And so I just, I know what it's like to go through having a, you know, a family member, especially a close family member go through um, something like that. So man, Coco hit me right in the feels today though. Let's see. Caron Nebere, Nebier. What's going on? Yeah. I've heard good things about Farscape. There's a lot of other things that I need to watch though. Fight. Do, 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 do. Fear FEMA. What is going on? Jake Duck, I never watched SG-1, Nat Babylon 5, nor much of DS9. I guess there's no reason not to watch them now. DS9's great. I love I love me some DS9. It was a lot of fun. Quark. Zane, a collaboration between Dune 2 and the Marvels, the Duvels. Ooh, the Duvels. Okay. Kind of reminds me of Meet the Deedles for some reason. I don't know why. Anyone remember Meet the Deedles? Young Paul Walker? Silly, silly movie. Ikthulu, I'm hoping for the Dune Musketeers. Now, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> American Dune Fiction, General Wingster. Let's see. Zane says, the theme for Smallville was great. Good show. Excellent era of television. Agreed. Went on way too long, but it was phenomenal. Uh, Marvin the Atreidian. Jacob <laughs> uh, 76 Dune Trek 2, The Wrath of Dune. There it is. And then and then you would just have Dune Trek 2. That's all I know. I don't know the actual words, but that is the score to to Dune. And you know what? It's it's epic. It's annoying, but it's also epic. Jacob Buck, Dune is a great book. My little sis and I read it together and loved it. Then we both read Dune Messiah and hated it because Paul turned into a Richard head. Uh, but now I understand that was the point. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I was enjoying the first one. I was enjoying the first one. I definitely plan to pick it back up again at some point. Uh, see, Zane says, Coco's the only film that can make me sob, not cry, sob. I could see that scene with no context and start. Yes. I mean, it, especially if you've ever had a connection, like if that, you've ever had that experience before in your life, you're like, oh, it just gets to you. Um, but I I would say the one film that made me sob, and I have never seen it since, and I will never see it again, and it's because I'm a dog person. As you all know, I love my hounds. Um, and it was uh, Marley and Me. 
And the reason why I think is because I went into the film, the marketing made it seem like it would be this fun, you know, fun, you know, you get to see the puppy grow up. It's so cute. And then it drops you this just so sad ending where you're watching this guy say goodbye to his dog on a table. And it's just, just even saying that I'm like, no, Oh, that one, that one made me ugly cry. That one made me ugly cry. Yes. Yeah, no golem up also is phenomenal and up, um, still has, it doesn't make me cry, but I get goosebumps every time, um, the scene happens where you find out something about Ellie um, and and kids. Like, oh, that gets me. And, uh, of course, like, once she passes. But that's one of the things where it's like, it's sad, but it's a part of life. The other one is something that it, it doesn't impact a lot of people, but it does impact some. And so it just, that's why it's it's that even, uh, it's just, there's that realness to it, you know? Uh, Esther Jacobs says, Finding Dory made me cry. It was way too sad. I didn't, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was okay as a movie. I just don't think it was really necessary. Um, but... But yeah, uh, Father Christopher Miller, Farley, Marley and me, I thought it might be John Wick. No, 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 no. And then uh, Kicking Interrupts, he says, between Farscape, Babylon 5, Stargate, SG-1, DS9, DS9 could be the least uh, could be the least of the bunch. Like the least good of the bunch? I don't know. I, I, I like DS9 more than Babylon 5. I think I, I like Babylon 5, but DS9 has much better characters, I think. Um, and I like, I like Babylon 5, so I wouldn't agree with you there. Anyway, we are well over time tonight, everybody, but I just wanted to make sure to get into as many comments as I could. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, always great talking movies, talking box office with y'all. Uh, one thing I would love to do, um, and shout out to RK Apo, shout, shout, shout out to, to Ryan Kinnell. Ryan Kinnell, Ryan Kinnell. I always love uh, pronouncing his name in different ways, but RK Alpo's, uh, he, on his most recent stream, and he recently uploaded it to his second channel, RK Apo's Live. And he was asked about his thoughts on a specific uh, Pixar movie. And he ended up just giving like quick reviews of, of all of the Pixar films ever made. I kind of want to start doing something like that. Like not with Pixar necessarily, but with like franchises, um, like try to give the issue that I have is I'm always such a, <laughs> I actually used an app the other day to transfer, to turn my videos into, into text, like to transcribe my videos and I realized, oh man, I talk a lot. <laughs> I fit I fit a lot of words into a very specific period of time. And so my my issue is I think I always have too many things to say. I talk a lot, I talk very fast in certain instances too. So I, I would love to try though. I would love to try to do something like that where it's like, all right, give me a franchise that that you know I've seen, you know all or if not all most of and i'll just go down the list and give give my honest assessments honest honest thoughts um i think that could be fun i think that could be a lot of fun so king and rumsey says what the excommunicado no no i stand by my ds9 comment abomination your review of all the land before time movies go okay yeah i don't have the time to do it now but in the future absolutely abomination so you hold that thought all right you hold that thought. Zane says, you definitely can be very Ben Shapiro in speech swiftness. Thank you. Yes. I take that as as, as a compliment. Um, and I'm a person that when I did listen to him more often, I would listen to him, even him, I would listen on like 1.25, sometimes 1.5 speed. But oh boy, uh, I, I couldn't, if I was doing something else, I had to switch it to something because 
<laughs> that's that's really really fast if you heard him speak you know oh boy yeah you can't really speed that up and still understand it completely but anyway with all of that being said this has been a ton of fun as always as far as upcoming events box office breakdown tomorrow so stay tuned for that usually i get that recorded and uploaded around 2 p.m eastern time depending on how things go i always record mikey's and gamers one first so i can do a much fuller breakdown for omb reviews so be on the lookout for that Stream on Tuesday, still planning on doing the Tuesday 7 p.m. stream, and then, of course, Friday Night Tights, Saturday evening stream, Salty Saturday podcast at 1 p.m. Eastern time every Saturday, Um, a regular over there. Uh, The only exceptions will be now that we're in school, I'm going to try to schedule my Chosen of Valhalla stream, and it'll probably have to be on a Saturday between that one to three time slot, so there might be one Saturday that I'm not on the Salty podcast stream because of that. We'll see what's going on with my chosen this 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 month, and I'll try and get with y'all uh, in the next coming days. Again, sorry, uh, things get crazy when the school year uh, gets started. So again, thank y'all for that. I have not done a giveaway yet, Zane. Uh, I have not given away the uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special yet. I, I will plan. I do plan on doing that on a stream. This this stream just it was a lot busier than I thought it was going to be. I was actually originally going to be doing the giveaway tonight, but I am well over time. So anyway. Thank you all very much for, for being here. Your average patron nerd, thank you for the 199 super sticker thumbs up, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, good sir. You're awesome. Uh, thank you to you and to Grumcall Tharaka as well. You guys are great. And shout out to the mods, of course, to Orange Chat Reviews and to Laura, the Modern Major General Story. And uh, you'll notice I do have an updated uh, shout outs video, but the, the verbal shout outs are actually the ones from July. Um, but I did upload, I did update it so that way the YouTube uh, text-based shoutouts are updated because I know that those had the only real changes. The other ones, I think people may have gone away. But as far as new people, everyone should be covered in in this. So uh, I'm gonna try to get an August, a proper August one out. I do have this listed as a temporary one, but uh, just in case you're wondering why it seems similar when we get to the verbal shoutouts. It is still technically the one from from July. So again, I apologize for that, but at least I was able to get some of it updated. But with all that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless.